This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies. Because Minnesota's Democratic governor and Republican-controlled legislature can't agree on a budget, Minnesota government has been shuttered since the beginning of the month, with only essential services being provided. To understand the impact of the shutdown on state information security, we're joined once again by Minnesota State Chief Information Security Officer Chris Busey. Thanks, Chris, for talking. Uh, thanks for having me on, Eric. First off, is IT security deemed an essential service? Uh, the simple answer is yes, but only some pieces of the IT security service. So to be a little bit more specific, uh, the way I'm looking at it right now is that when you look at a comprehensive security program, planning activities that are happening, in our case, the way I look at it is a lot of the planning activities, what we're trying to do with proactive risk management, all that kind of stuff is on hold. Essentially, what we're left with here is a very small team of people simply watching the operational systems that are in place. But by and large, the base the, the work that we're doing in our enterprise security program to get enterprise-wide baseline standard, that's on hold. All the proactive risk management activities that we've been working on, things like developing metrics for all the agencies to see their posture in relation to their peers, that's on hold. The development of centralized security solutions to improve our risk posture, that's on hold. Things like identity management, we had a major effort underway to put in centralized identity management. That was one of my projects that stopped the development of enterprise IDP and security information event management. That's on hold. The development of recovery strategies is on hold. Our efforts that we've been putting into developing enterprise mobile device security processes are stopped. Our cloud computing initiatives are stopped. Basically, anything that's not just kind of the core bread and butter, butter operations, everything's been put on hold, and all the people that helped us do those things have been laid off. Pretty sad situation. About what percentage of the IT security staff is furloughed? I would estimate probably 90%. So what is being done? Well, today in my group, we have a small team of people that's simply watching the core operational systems, and uh, and then they're doing that on basically a skeleton crew. So it's monitoring activities such as watching the intrusion detection sensors, you know, oversight of security information event management that we have in place. Vulnerability management is uh, still up and running and very limited work with access control. What you think of as kind of the core bread and butter operational activities, we're keeping those up and running, but even then it's done on very much a skeleton crew. How would you assess the security of Minnesota's digital assets? We increased our threat posture with the with the multi-state ISAC to yellow, which means that, you know, we think just the fact that there's been so much negative press about what's going on in our state and there's so many IT professionals that are on furlough and security professionals, we raised our status to yellow, which is a caution status in the ISAC system. It's basically letting our peers across government, the U.S. CERT and the Department of Homeland Security, letting putting them on notice that we need some help and have some extra need some extra eyes to be watching the traffic in the Minnesota space, doing what we can to make sure that we can keep things alive to the best of our ability with the limited staffing that's on that's, uh, that's available right now. Are you getting that help? It's been nice. Everything that we've asked the federal government to do, they've certainly come to the table and said that they will help us. To date, we're not having them take our sensor feeds and do that kind of stuff, but I believe 
that uh, they've been pretty diligent about keeping on top of our situation. I've also had some of my peer CISOs from across the country offer assistance as well. Um, to date, we haven't done that. When you have a time of crisis like this, it's really nice to see the community that's out there and those relationships that you worked so hard to foster, particularly with the multi-state ISAC and the folks at the Federal Department of Homeland Security. I just think it's it's really nice to see those kind of people step up to the plate and offer assistance when you need it the most. When you talk about offering assistance, what do you mean by that? Putting the extra set of eyes on uh, on the Minnesota traffic, I think, is helpful for us. And also, one of the things that they have said, if we um, have any emergencies, they'd be there to provide us with some type of emergency assistance. And even doing some, some day-to-day operational assistance as well um, with the multi-state ISAC, they already do network monitoring, and, uh, and they'll take sensor feeds. They do that right now for some states. We're not one of those states, but they said if push comes to shove and we're struggling, that they certainly would uh, would step up and help monitor our sensors directly as well. So if I understand you, what you said is that you've had offers of help, but so far you, you, you really don't need them. Yeah, we're, we're at the point where we're kind of keeping things afloat with our small crew here, And uh, but if push comes to shove, we're certainly going to reach out to the MSI SEC and the other folks and take them up on their offer for help. Are you detecting any type of increased intrusions? Our sensors noticed more scan activity, more probes, and malicious types of traffic than we have prior to the shutdown. Our assumption is that we are more of a target for adversaries than we have been in the past. But you feel pretty confident that, that nothing has been successful? Well, I, I certainly I feel, I feel more confident with, with our environment where we have some pretty sophisticated tools and we have people that are on heightened alert to watch our activities even more so than they have been in the past. But I have a lot of concerns about all the state agencies that aren't part of the centralized processes yet. And uh, in a lot of those agencies, the leaders of the agencies, I don't think really understand the security risks that they face. There's some agencies that simply said IT security isn't essential in a time of a shutdown. So I, I worry more about those folks than I do about our environment because a lot of those um, agencies do some really, really important stuff that has to happen. There's a lot of life safety systems that we run. Are there IT systems or, or are there many IT systems in Minnesota that were just shut down? There's not very many that were just shut down. There are some, but by and large, uh, the systems are left up and running. Um, in some cases, the web interfaces that citizens have are being redirected to different locations. But by and large, the systems, with, with the exception of a couple, have been left up and running and they haven't been shut down. They've been redirected. Access control, in many cases, has been turned off to the systems. To the best of my knowledge, there's not a lot of systems that were simply turned off. That means a lot of employees who would have had access to systems will not, if they're being, if they were furloughed, would not have access to these systems? That's correct. That was one of the biggest challenges we had, is how do you shut off access to all of these uh, disparate systems? Can you briefly explain how that was done? Essentially, the strategy we took is, first of all, trying to make sure that we identified the different ways that people get remote connectivity into our environment and then shutting off the remote connectivity. We wanted to make sure that those types of accesses were restricted. We also looked at kind of the core access control methods that provide security clearances to lots of different systems of things like Active Directory, and we disabled accounts and those type of systems. And then finally, we looked at other things as well, such as physical controls over physical security and badging systems. And then for core 
applications that have their own security that were critical applications. We certainly looked at those as well and tried to basically do the big inventory of all the systems, how was access provided, and then tried to figure out what we're going to do to disable the access for the systems. A monumental effort. Any problems in doing that? By and large, we didn't have a lot of hiccups. We planned in advance. We did testing of different scripts. We wanted to make sure in advance during the month of June during our planning activities to make sure that things would work and we wouldn't cause disruptions to the systems that needed to be up and running. So by and large, you know, we obviously had a couple cases where some people had their clearances disabled that shouldn't have and vice versa. But by and large, um, things went off as planned. Equipment that employees would be given, whether they're laptops that they can take home or mobile devices, for those furloughed employees, what happened to those PCs and and handhelds? Every agency had its own decision-making process. You know, with our central technology agency, we kept all the equipment here in-house, so we had a pretty strong methodology that we put in place to make sure that we put together lists of all the equipment that people had, made sure that the managers and supervisors gathered all the equipment, that we locked it up in a secure area, everything from, you know, gas cards to credit cards to VPN key fobs to laptops and all the other equipment. So we went through a pretty rigorous process to make sure that we gathered all the equipment. When the shutdown is over and you go back to what would be normalcy, uh, what, what do you have to do? Well, we'll basically have to reverse all the processes that we put in place for access control. We have to recall all the employees. We have to reprovision everybody. And uh, when we did shutdown processes, we tried to do everything with automated scripts so that we could bring people back more expediently. The thing that worries me, though, is that I just have a feeling that particularly with a lot of the really, really good, highly talented people. We're going to be we're going to be running automated scripts for people that are no longer going to be in government because I don't think they're going to hang out here and uh, and wait for this political cat fight to get over. I was hoping that we wouldn't have a government shutdown and that folks would have thought it through and come to some kind of resolution, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Every day I drive to work and, you know, I'm one of those people that I just absolutely love government. It's uh, it's it's in my blood, and I've been here so long. And I drive in the morning, and I look at the Capitol building, and I see the barricades that are up and that our state capitol shut down. And it's very heartbreaking for me. I'm just I'm very surprised that we actually got to the point where we are today. And I, I hope that other states that actually see this happen in the federal government, I hope they see what's happening here and don't let this happen anywhere else. Hopefully, we can become something that people will, that other states will look at as, as what you don't want to see happen in their own environment. What is happening to the furloughed IT security professionals? Uh, what are they doing, and do you know if any of them are looking for jobs elsewhere? I'm not sure what's going to be happening with everybody. I know, I mean, obviously, as a state CISO, I have quite a few people that have asked me to do references, so I know that, you know, that a lot of people are certainly looking for jobs. You know, look at this and I say, what what am I worried about most? I mean, I think a lot of people would assume that I'm worried about, you know, our limited ability to react to some crisis that would occur. But that's really not the case. I mean, I'm really more worried about the employees than than anything else. We're still a state that's, by and large, decentralized. And we've been working with our enterprise security program to put centralization in place so that 
we can share more tools and processes. We're not at that point yet today, and I worry about more than anything the security professionals that are out there in the state agencies that I help serve because most of them have even fewer resources than we do in our centralized team. And I know from chatting with the different people in the agencies that they've been cut very, very deeply. In fact, there's some agencies that are left with no security professionals at all. And then when you look at my security team, by and large, the vast majority of all the people have been laid off, except for the few that are kind of helping us keep the operational systems going. I just can't tell you how just immensely sad that makes me, that we've done this to these people that have worked so hard to develop these programs and put the processes in place to make our security better across the government. I worry about these people, and uh, and I, don't, I actually I don't blame them for going out and looking for jobs because, you know, collectively I think our political leaders have just let these people down. You know, a lot of the people are like me where they put their life and their heart into helping government be better. And when you have an episode like this happen, you know, I, were, I would drive in and I see the Capitol like I do every morning, and I feel like the shutdown has kind of it's stolen part of the spirit that kept me in government. When this is all over, I hope I can get that spirit back because right now, that's what kept me in government and wanted me to succeed and that feeling that you're helping out citizens and society. But then when the, the political leaders do something like this, it makes you question whether you really should have had that spirit in the first place. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm just so upset about this and worried about all the staff and the employees that uh, I have to figure out where I go from here. Thank you, Chris. Well, thank you, Eric. I've been speaking with Chris Busey. Chief Information Security Officer for the state of Minnesota. For GovInfoSecurity.com, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.GovInfoSecurity.com.